I invite you to stand for the reading of the word. In this church, we stand. You don't need to, you can be seated, it's okay. You got instruments back there? We like to stand for the reading of the word so that our minds are focused and we're paying attention when we open our sacred story. Our text this morning comes from Ephesians 2. I'll be reading to you from the Contemporary English Bible. So remember that once you were Gentiles by physical descent, you who were called uncircumcised by the Jews who are physically circumcised, at that time you were without Christ. You were aliens rather than citizens of Israel and strangers to the covenants of God's promise. In this world, you had no hope and no God. But now, thanks to Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ is our peace. Christ made both Jews and Gentiles into one group with his body, with his broken body. He broke down the barrier of hatred that divides us. He canceled the detailed rules of the law so that we could create one new person out of two groups, making peace. He reconciled them both as one body to God by the cross, which ended the hostility to God. So now you are no longer strangers and aliens, rather, you are fellow citizens with God's people and you belong to God's household. The word of God. You can be seated. So this story is, uh, the story is set in the city of Chicago. It's said of this film that it's actually an affectionate poke and jab at a rather obnoxious, a rather obnoxious family, ethnic family, loud and eccentric. The film was made 18 years ago, set in the city of Chicago, features a single woman in age 30, and all her family wants is for Tula to get married. You know the story. Happy Valentine's Day. All Tula's father wants is for her to get married, correct? And so as the story goes, Tula brings home a nice boy, he happens to be a man, an English professor, a white boy, and the the father needs to accept the white boy, and the white boy needs to accept the eccentric family, and Tula needs to accept herself, so says IMDB. And they all lived happily ever after. It's a Greek family. Of his family, Gus says there's only two kinds of people in the world, the Greeks and those who want to be. (laughs) Of the Greeks, Gus says, there are two kinds of people in this world, those who change their mind and the Greeks. They live in a house that's a replica of the Parthenon, columns out in front, Corinthian columns out in front, and a big Greek flag on their garage, right? This is the story of Tula who works at the Flying Zorba, but really, really wants to be married. So after the film debuts, there's one question that's asked quite often, and it's asked after the scene I'm about to show you. We're gonna drop in on a scene where an argument is happening, where the father, Gus, is saying to the white boy, hey, she's my daughter, you were supposed to come and ask my permission to marry her. That's the argument we're gonna drop in on. Okay, may I please date your daughter? No! 
I'll see you tomorrow. Didn't I say it's a mistake to educate women? But nobody listened to me. Now we have a boyfriend in the house. Is he nice Greek boy? Oh, oh no, no Greek. No Greek, Xeno. Xeno with the big long hairs on top of his head. I'm sorry I lied to you. <sighs> okay, Tula. Maybe you are having a little romance. Hmm? But end it now. Eat something. <laughs> right? I know, right? It's just just makes you smile and, and no wonder we're all eating. No wonder. Did you hear it? I asked for a nice Greek boy and you bring a Zeno with long hair out of his head. The question people asked after this movie debuts is what is a Zeno? What's a Zeno? A Zeno, and it's actually a word we just read in our scripture this morning. Zenos. It is where we get our word xenophobia, right? Xenophobia is a word we're a little more familiar with, this irrational aversion to people who are different from us. I just wanted a nice Greek boy and you brought me a Zenos. Someone who is different from us. In our text this morning, that's the word the Apostle Paul uses, someone who is a stranger or a foreigner. We read it last week and the week before also. So last week we said when Paul opens the book of Ephesians when he says, grace and peace to you, how scandalous that is because grace is the greeting for the Greek people, peace is the greeting for the Israels or the Jewish people. To put them in one sentence is to combine all of this hostility. How much smarter for Paul if he had said, hey, grace you Greek people. Hey, peace, you Israelites, I see you, hey. He would have won friends or kept some more. But when he puts them all together, he insists that a new thing is happening in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace, all of us, God is doing a new thing and it's scandalous for their community. Less so for us today when we are familiar with the greeting, but we have to imagine that time and that place is what your Bible teachers do with you when they open the passage in your classrooms, right? We try to imagine we're sitting in first century Asia Minor. We try to imagine what it is to be Greek and Hebrew. We try to imagine that these are the dominant categories right now in our story, which means if you're not one of these, you're not. So for the women and the children and the slaves, and for the felons and the prisoners, and for those with broken bones and lame and mute, mute and bodies that won't, too bad for all the rest of you, Zenos. It's complicated. 
the divisions and the, the divisions in the scripture. I said last week, what we suffer today in our world is not new. It is already so embedded in our text. So we imagine a group of them sitting together in the largest house they can find, and here comes the letter of Paul, the, the, the letter we read as Ephesians, coming to groups of people gathered together who think they want to follow after this man, Jesus. We imagine they're clustered together. They don't read. They've got to listen, and the room falls quiet so they can hear the Apostle Paul read. Grace and peace to you, you who are strangers and foreigners and aliens, those of you who were once far off. Christ on the cross is bringing peace. We can imagine there's a gasp that goes across the room and people look to the door. We went, who heard, did everyone hear that? Do you think they could hear this outside? Because peace comes from the Roman government. Peace comes actually by force. Peace is what settles all your rivalries in their world. The army just kicks down the wall and now you've got peace. Peace comes at the hand of Augustus, the emperor. Are you telling us that there's a different peace and as they look around the room and they realize they're not all one kind of people, they must wonder, am I safe here? Am I safe in my house? Do I go home and lock the door? Am I safe in Jerusalem? The instinct would probably be, let's get out of here and find my people and hunker down. This is what's happening in our passage this morning when we read, you who were far off who have been brought by the blood of Christ. All of your distinctions and all of these differences are no longer going to matter. And that's a message. When we open the book of Ephesians, and if you came today because you simply needed to hear, Jesus loves me, this I know, please go home and read the rest of the letter because it is in there, but this is not a tame letter. This is not a letter that kind of calms us and soothes us into the sunset of Sabbath tonight. This is a gutsy letter. Distinctions and divides are distracting everything in your world and now comes Jesus. Friends, we understand this. We understand distinctions and divides in our world today. But it's hard, so let's just start simple. Let's just start easy and fun. Let's do puppies, okay? Let's do puppies. I'm gonna introduce you to the dogs in our family. They live in Seattle and we like it this way. These are the dogs in our family. On the right is Zelda, and on the left is Echo, okay? Zelda and Echo live in Seattle, and in Seattle it is now snowing. This is Zelda in the snow. This was earlier this week, right? This is Zelda, like, what in the world is falling from the sky? This is Echo in the snow. Is it snow, is it snow, is it snow? Oh, is it snow, can we play in it? This is Zelda in the snow. Seriously? Somebody turn off the sky right now? This is Zelda, this is Echo in the snow. Oh, where's my sled? Can we pull something really long and far and heavy? Where's my pack? This is Zelda in the snow. Stop it already. Are you looking at me? What, do you like the snow? Here's Echo. Oh, snow! Oh, snow, my friend. Do you wanna build a snowman? Isn't that a great picture? Look at the space needle in the background. And then there's Zelda, like, no, I don't want to build a snowman. I mean, at first it's fun and cute. Oh, they're so, look, how, oh, oh, this one's a German shepherd husky. The other one, Echo, Siberian husky. Oh, no wonder he likes the snow. 
born in the South, but actually spent his formative years, he's just a baby still, spent his formative years in Alberta, Canada. No wonder he likes the snow. Zelda was born in Southern California. She's used to 105 degrees weather. Like, stop it already. Turn off the sky. I am so over this. I mean, at first, these distinctions and divisions are just kind of charming, and they're, 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 they're innocent, and they're fun, and we notice them all around us. Are you having soba or fettuccine today, or tacos, right? Who's your team? And what's your school, and what's your school song, and who do you cheer for? And at first, these are kind of innocent and harmless, and then they move, and then they shift, and they get deeper. And the divisions and the divides are on display all around us, most notably on Sunday, right, when millions of people gathered around a big screen, and there were two competing teams, yes, and in that one airing of a game, football game on Sunday, one network made $328 million. And one player on the field makes $22.5 million. And many companies can afford the $5 million for the 30-second spot. And a few thousand people can afford a couple thousand dollars for a ticket to get into the stadium. And then there's a bunch of us who pay the $60 a month to get cable in our homes. And there's a few of you who just went down to Buffalo Bob Bile Wild Wings and spent $6.99 ordered some wings and had a screen. And then there's a few of you who couch surfed and found your friends with cable. And then there's a few of us who just streamed it illegally. We're in church, we tell the truth. I mean, divisions and divides are all over on display Sunday, just in our nation, socioeconomic class, one of the grandest divides in our nation, friends, but you know that the list is long and it goes deep and wide. Our friendship circles, the neighborhoods we live in, the languages we speak, the places where we shop, where we can afford our to send our children to school or not the color of our skin, the political party we claim, the divides get so ugly and so deep so that when I show you this, this is Ephesians 2 from Eugene Peterson, this is how Eugene Peterson, the author we love, this is how he titles Ephesians 2, he tore down the wall. There are many of us here today who can only read and hear that with the ears of the world we're living in. I have a pastor friend in another college campus church who was preaching and someone stood up from the back recently and said, political, political, you're being political. And she would not stop. You're being political, pastor, stop being political. And someone else stood and chanted the same thing. The world we live in is so toxic we can hardly read our sacred story. I didn't write this. You didn't write this. Christ tears down walls, the passage says. When Eugene Peterson writes about it, he tears down walls, he takes away, he takes away barriers or divides or partitions. Most of these are unseen, they're the ones we erect. Because the people living with the Apostle Paul, they knew what happened in their temple. Let me show you a picture of the temple and why this matters so much. There's the large temple and you can see already lots of walls and dividing spaces and the outer part is for the Gentiles. And then if you go up a few steps, five steps, and then you go up 14 more steps, you'll be on the inside at a higher level. And on the inside, Zach, the next picture, 
you begin to see the distinctions and the divides. There's a court, outer court for Gentiles was down below, but now there's a court for women, and if we go a little further, there's a court for the men. These would be the Jewish men. And in the next picture, if we go a little further on the inside, will be where the Jewish men get to go. So when they're crammed in a house church hearing Paul's letter say, he tears down walls and divides, they know very well what they look like in their lives. Around these walls, around Jerusalem's temple, around the sanctuary are actual warning signs. Here's a picture of one. You can see a couple of these, those of you who go on your honors trips, if you go to Istanbul, if you go to Jerusalem, the warning sign says not, be careful if you cross over, we'll press charges. It says, if you cross over Gentiles, you'll be executed. Take care, those of you who cross this barrier. The line actually says, you will be, on you will be put the blame for the death that will ensue. Oh, they know well what most, uh, what walls and divisions and partitions do in their life. They know well just between Jews and Gentiles what's happening. If a Gentile woman is pregnant and needs assistance, one of the laws says the Jewish person cannot help her because that would be to bring one more Gentile into the world. If a Jewish girl gets engaged to a Gentile boy or, a gen- or the other way around, we're just gonna have the funeral today because it's a death sentence. This is how serious their divides, the divides they've erected. And now they're being told that there's peace that's coming from a cross. Peace on a cross from a man that the Romans killed. A peace that's gonna undermine all these humans' divisions and divides and borders and boundaries. There is a peace because of the grace of Jesus. That's what this letter claims. That's what this community is all about, friends. Church is not the place where we uh, just have our social circles or we get cranky if we don't like the carpet or the music or the sermon is irrelevant. It just doesn't matter because, because church is the place where we are crazy enough to trust the dreams of God, that God is actually breaking down divisions between people. And church is the place where we practice this. We practice on each other. It's why I need to be in church. I need to show up every week and see you again and see the differences between us. And I need to be reminded all over again that those divisions and differences are so insignificant because I can see the image of God in you. This is what the grace of Jesus does. Church is this kind of community. I worry for what we've, we think church might be in the 21st century. I worry that we think we're not all gonna be able to get along so we're gonna have to separate. We'll have choral music in some churches and stained glass and we'll do the complete opposite in other spaces. I worry that we think we have to separate with young or old or progressives or more conservatives. I worry that we've completely missed the message of Jesus on the cross. It is grace who bring, that brings down all these divisions. It is grace that allows me to see you on Sabbath and I can yield to the Christ in you. I need that reminder. When we first met George, we celebrated his baptism a few minutes ago. When we first met you, George, it was by letter. George wrote to us, I wanna show you some of the correspondence when George first wrote. George was in prison and began writing Hi, Sam, that would be Samira. Samira, where are you sitting today? Can you just put your hand up? I know you're here. Keep it up until someone finds Sam. Did you find her? Are you hiding, Samira? 
This is, I'm not gonna stop talking till I see you. I'm like, we're gonna want lunch and I'm gonna wait till I see you. Samira writes back to George when he sends the first letter. This is the second letter. Hi, Sam. First, I want to praise God. Could you back up one, Zach, please? I want to praise God for putting, you have the courage to write. I've written to four other SDA churches in Riverside, and I never heard from one of them. Read the next sentence. It's not surprising. Not many want anything to do with felons. And so they strike up a writing relationship. George knew at the prison he was going to need to surround himself with people when he got out. He was already studying the Bible. Go ahead, Zach, to the next one. So he and Sam began writing. I know I have a bright future with God on my corner. I have many dreams, but believe God will direct me where God wants me to be. One dream has already been obtained by your reply to my letter. Praise God, I look forward to meeting you and being part of a wonderful church. They keep writing. One of the letters that comes, George says to Sam, I got your letter. Congratulations, you're getting married. How awesome. I want to meet your husband. I look forward to meeting your husband. And in this next excerpt, he says, I look forward at the bottom. I would find it a privilege. Go to the other one, Zach. I would find it a privilege to have you as a friend and my Christian sister. I'm excited to see what God has planned for me. No matter where God will lead me, you will always have a special place in my heart. I hope I can be a blessing to you. Samira wrote, George wrote, Samira wrote, George wrote. Wave your hand again, George, today. Can you put your hand up? And George found fellowship in this Sabbath school class, and George found fellowship in the potluck across the way. Not only does he eat the food, he sets up the tables and takes down the tables before and after. And George found two pastors who would study with him, Vaughn and Otis, and he found in you, church, a church home. Two beautiful things happened today, George. When you came here, I was not worried if you would ever be baptized. Do you know that? That never was my worry. I prayed that what you first wrote in the letter would not be your reality. Not many churches want a felon pastor. I prayed that you could walk in the doors and find a home. Two things happened today in the baptistry. You chose Jesus, and this church has modeled Jesus two miracles have happened. God did that. God did that. So while we're busy making our lists of our divisions and all the ways we are different, church, I see you and I affirm in you today that you know how to yield in the Christ you see in the other. I see that you know how to yield and allow the divisions and the dividing walls, the partitions to fall and for God to allow us to see each other eye to eye. I see that we can say as a church, there is no longer any stranger or alien because all are one in the body of Christ. Amen.